book five chapter six of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah grand book five chapter six i am tired of action i just want to drift i am tired of action i just want to drift this was the new refrain which set itself as an accompaniment to angelica's thoughts she was tired of thinking too but thought ran on an inexhaustible stream and the more passive she became to the will of others outwardly the more active was her mind she leant back languidly in the carriage beside her aunt as they drove together through the city to mourn and remained silent the whole time and motionless all but her eyes which roved incessantly from object to object while she inwardly rendered an account to herself of each and of her own state of mind keeping up disjointed comments quotations and reflections consciously but without power to check the flow there were a few blessed moments of oblivion caused by the bustle of their departure from the house then angelica looked up and instantly her intellect awoke they were driving down the avenue the green leaves rustle overhead was the first impression that formulated itself into words the carriage wheels roll rhythmically every faculty is on the alert there is something unaccustomed in the aspect of things things familiar this once familiar scene a new point of view the change is in me we used to ride down that lane blackberries the day i found a worm in one ugh diavolo diavolo no longer in touch a hundred thousand miles away what does it matter i'm tired of action i just want to drift i'm tired of action i just want to drift just want to drift drifting now to mourn a restful place but i shall drift from thence again whither better be steered no though i am not a wooden ship to be steered but a human soul with a sacred individuality to be preserved and the grand right of private judgment what happens when such ennobling privileges are sacrificed demon worship grandpapa the old duke sat in his velvet cap in a carved oak chair in the oriel room nonsense and aunt folda as passive as a cow is she though is angelica as passive as a cow for all that she's so still poor daddy drudging at the house just now not thinking of me i hope not do i hope not no he belongs to me and i do care for him the kind eyes the kind caress the kind thought angelica dear oh daddy i'm sorry i tormented you sorry sorry the lonely grave the lonely grave oh israfil dead dead long dead and my heart is a handful of dust the horse's hoofs beat out the measure of my misery the green leaves rustle overhead the air is delicious after the rain the dust is laid only this afternoon i went to see him what was i thinking of can i bring him back again never again never again only this afternoon but time is not measured by minutes time is measured by the consciousness of it he's dead miss haven't you heard and buried yesterday dead dead long dead the dearest friend to me the kindest man 
the best conditioned and unwearied spirit in doing courtesies on through the dim rich city a pretty girl and poor do you envy me my dear stare at me hard i am a rich lady you see asked everywhere the daughter of a hundred earls you are not one to be desired the palace poor edith here we are at the castle hill and that idiot aunt fulda has forgotten her carriage shall i remind her there is still time to turn back no don't trouble yourself let them alone and they'll come home i wish i had no memory it is a perfect nuisance to have to think in inverted commas all the time and shakespeare is the greatest bore of all the whole of life could be set to his expressions that cannot be quite right what i mean is the whole of life could be expressed in his words diavolo and i tried once to talk shakespeare for a whole day i made the game but diavolo could remember nothing but to be or not to be which went no way at all when he tried to live on it so he said shakespeare was rot and i pulled his hair i wish i could stop thinking suspend my thoughts the pine woods from the top of the upright pine the snow lumps fall with a thud come from where the sunbeams shine to lie in the heart of the mud the heart of the mud the heart of the mud oh for oblivion nirvana the dewdrop slips into the shining sea we're slipping into the courtyard of the castle how many weary women women waiting happy women despairing women thoughtful women thoughtless women have those rows of winking windows eyed as they entered women are much more interesting than men the lonely grave the lonely grave angelica lady fulda exclaimed as they drew up at the door i've left the carriage in morning quest yes i know said angelica my dear child why didn't you remind me angelica shrugged her shoulders let them alone and they'll come home recurred to her and then i must be more gracious aunt fulda aloud who are here your uncle don and company i suppose angelica concluded derisively your aunt claudia and her friend are also here lady fulda corrected her with dignity not exactly a successful attempt to be gracious angelica's thoughts ran on ah well what does it matter live and let live forget and forgive forgetting is forgiving and every one forgets and then again piano the lonely grave the lonely grave at dinner she sat beside her grandfather her uncle being opposite silent and serious as usual but they were all subdued that night except the old duke who unaware of any cause for their painful preoccupation and glad to see angelica who roused him as a rule with her wonderful spirits chatted inconsequently but angelica's unnatural quietude could not escape the attention of the rest of the party and inquiring glances were directed to lady fulda in the calm of whose passionless demeanour however there was no consciousness of anything unusual to be read and of course no questions were asked in the drawing-room after dinner angelica sat on a velvet cushion at her uncle's feet and rested her head against his knee close beside her there was a long narrow mirror let into the wall of the room like a panel and in this she could see herself and him reflected at first she turned from the group impatiently but presently she looked again and began to study her uncle's appearance with conscious deliberation it was as if she had never seen him before and was receiving a first impression lord dawn was one of those men who make one think of another and more picturesque age he would have looked natural in black velvet and point lace he was about five-and-thirty at that time to judge by his appearance tall well-made and strong with the slim strength of a race-horse all superfluous flesh and bone bred out of him his skin was dark clear and colourless his hair black wavy and abundant 
his eyes deep blue a contrast inherited from an irish mother a spanish hidalgo in appearance angelica decided at this point it was a sad face as high-bred faces often are you would not have been surprised to hear that his life had been blighted at the outset by some great sorrow or disappointment but it was a strong face too the face of a manly man you would have said and of one with self-denial courage endurance and devotion enough for a hero and a martyr angelica her grandfather broke in upon her reflections with kindly concern you look pale do you not feel well my dear child not exactly thank you angelica answered mendaciously with formal politeness hoping thereby to save herself the annoyance of further remarks then inwardly added sick at heart in very truth to save her conscience which was painfully sensitive just then when any one addressed her thought was suspended by the effort to answer after which the rush returned but the current had usually set in a new direction as was now the case her uncle as seen in the mirror gave place when she had spoken to the tenor's long low room as she had seen it that afternoon the light shone in and showed the shabby places should the light be shut out to conceal what is wrong oh no show up expose make evident let in knowledge the light but here her grandfather arose the evening was to end with service in the chapel will you come angelica he asked do you feel equal to the exertion oh yes angelica answered indifferently letting herself go again to drift with the stream the private chapel at morn was lavishly decorated an ideal shrine the beauty of which alone would have inclined your heart to prayer and praise by reason of the pleasure it gave you and of the desire which is always a part of this form of pleasure to express your gratitude in some sort on this occasion the altar was brilliantly illuminated and as she passed in before lord dawn she was attracted like a child by the light and stationed herself so as to see it fully admiring it as a spectator but only so the scene although familiar was always impressive being so beautiful and as she settled herself on a chair apart her spirit revived under its influence enough to enable her to entertain the hope that by force of habit and association that sensation of well-being which is due to the refined and delicate flattery of the senses a soothing without excitement merging in content and restful to the verge of oblivion would steal over her and gradually possess her to the exclusion of all importunate and painful thought and this was what happened it came at a pause in the service when the people bent their heads and seemed to wait or rather followed upon that impressive moment as did the organ prelude and the first notes of a glorious voice the voice of a woman who suddenly sang angelica looked up amazed by the fervour of it while a feeling not new but strange from its intensity took possession of her steeping her soul in bliss a feeling that made her both tremble and be glad she thought no more of the lonely grave but of an angel in ecstasy an angel in heaven she looked around she raised her eyes to the altar she tried to seize upon some idea which should continue with her and be a key with which she could unlock this fountain of joy hereafter when she would she almost felt for the moment as if it would be worthy to grovel for such opium at the knees of an oleosaccharine priest and contribute to his support for ever she tried to think of something to which to compare the feeling but in vain in the effort to fix it her mind and memory became a blank and for a blissful interval she could not think she could only feel then came the inevitable moment of grateful acknowledgment when her senses brought of their best to pay 
for their indulgence their best on this occasion being that vow to israfil which presently she found herself renewing she would indeed be true after this surfeit of sensuous distraction she retired to her room the old room as far away from diavolo's as possible which she had always occupied at the castle she dismissed her maid and sat down to think but she was suffering from nervous irritability by this time and could not rest she drew up a blind and looked out of the open window the night was calm the air was freshly caressing a crescent moon hung in the indigo sky and there were stars bright stars up from the pine woods which clothed the castle hill balsamic airs were wafted and murmurs came as of voices inviting friendly voices of nature claiming a kinship with her which she herself had recognized from her earliest childhood out there in the open was the unpolluted altar at which she was bidden to worship and in view of that with the healthy breath of night expanding her lungs revivingly she felt that her late experiences in the midst of perfumes too sweet to be wholesome and with the help of accessories too luxurious to be anything but enervating had been degrading to that better part of her to which the purity and peace of night appealed she would go shrive herself in haunted solitudes and listen to the voice which spoke to her heart alone saying only be true in the silence of those scenes incomparable which tender reverence promote endeavour and prolong love she went to her door opened it looked out and listened the corridor was all in darkness and excessive silence pervaded the place the whole household had apparently retired with confident steps although in the dark angelica went to diavolo's room and presently returned with a suit of his clothes these she put on and then without haste went downstairs crossed the hall opened a narrow door which led into a dark damp flagged passage along which she groped for some distance then descended a crooked stone staircase at the foot of which was a heavy door this she opened with the key careless of the noise she made and found herself out in the open air under the stars on a gravel walk with a broad lawn stretched before her she stood a moment breathing deeply in pure enjoyment of the air then put up both hands to rearrange a little cloth cap she wore which was slipping from off her abundant hair then she threw up her arms and stretched every limb in the joy of perfect freedom from restraint and then with strong bounds she cleared the grassy space dashed down a rocky step and found herself a substance amongst the shadows out in the murmuring woods when she returned she was making less vigorous demonstrations of superabundant strength and vitality but still her step was swift firm and elastic and she was running up the grand staircase from the hall when she saw that the door at the top leading into the suite of rooms occupied by lord don when he was at the castle was wide open showing the room beyond brilliantly lighted she would have to pass that open door or stay downstairs till it was shut but the latter she did not feel inclined to do so with scarcely a pause to nerve herself for what might happen she continued rapidly to ascend the stairs as she expected when she reached the top her uncle appeared oh he exclaimed in surprise seeing diavolo as he supposed emerging from the darkness i thought it was angelica's step i fancied i heard her go down some time ago and i have been waiting for her she complained of not feeling well this evening and i thought she might possibly want something come in he had turned to lead the way as he spoke by the by he broke off what are you doing here you young rascal angelica overcome by one of her mischievous impulses and grinning broadly boldly followed her uncle into the room i had forgotten for a moment that you ought not to be here it is so natural to find you marauding about the place at night he pursued bending down to adjust the wick of a lamp that was flaring as he spoke 
angelica sat down and coolly waited for him to turn and look at her which he did when he had done with the lamp meeting her dark eyes unsuspectingly at first then with fixed attention inquiringly angelica he exclaimed how can you i have been out in the woods she rejoined with her accustomed candour the suffocating fumes of incense and orthodoxy overpowered me in the chapel and i was miserable besides soul-sick but this fresh air is a powerful tonic and it has exhilarated me the stars have strengthened me the voices of the night spoke peace to me and the pleasant creatures visible and invisible gave me welcome as one of themselves and showed me how to attain to their joy in life she bent forward to brush some fresh earth from the leg of her trousers but you would have me forego these innocent healthy-minded invigorating exercises i suppose because i am a woman she pursued you would allow diavolo to disport himself so it will and approve rather than object although he is not so strong as i am and then these clothes which are decent and convenient for him besides being a greater protection than any you permit me to wear you think immodest for me you mass of prejudice lord don made no reply he had taken a seat and remained with his eyes fixed on the floor for some seconds after she had spoken there was neither agreement nor dissent in his attitude however he was simply reflecting what is it angelica he said at last looking her full in the face what is what she asked defiantly what is the matter he answered there is something wrong i see and if it is anything that you would like to talk about i don't pretend to offer you advice but sometimes when one speaks you know however what a comfort it is to talk a thing out as you used to call it when you were a little girl he looked at her and smiled when she entered the room fresh from the open air a brilliant colour glowed in her cheeks but now she was pale to her lips which perceiving caused him to rise hastily and add but i am afraid you have tired yourself and glancing at the clock it is nearly breakfast time i'll go and get you something after a considerable interval he returned with a tray upon which was a plentiful variety of refreshments prawns in aspic jelly cold chicken and tongue a freshly opened tin of pate de gras, cake bread butter and champagne i think i've brought everything he remarked surveying the tray complacently when he had put it down upon a table beside her you've forgotten the salt snapped angelica his complacency vanished and he retired apologetically to remedy the omission do you remember the night you and diavolo taught me where to find food in my father's house he asked when he returned yes angelica answered with a grin and then she expanded into further reminiscences of that occasion by which time she was in such a good humour that she began to feel hungry and under the stimulating influences of food and champagne she told her uncle the whole story of her intimacy with the tenor lord dawn listened with interest but almost in silence the occasion was not one as it appeared to him which it would be well to improve he discussed the matter with her however as well as he could without offering her advice or expressing an opinion of her conduct and in consequence of this wise forbearance on his part she found herself the better in every way for the interview end of book five chapter six